1: finding wide receivers late in your fantasy football drafts is a big challenge in 2023 but Sean Siegel is here to help you with some wide receiver options five in particular that are very very deep and that could potentially be tournament winners that's what we were talking about today on road of his overtime Sean it's always fun to dive into player lists. people love lists where it's you know five three you no know, ten off of this that or the other so we have five here that we're going to go through we We may give them all away on today's show we may not but we'll see what we do over the the course of the next kind of 30 minutes or so the one thing i want to mention at the start of today's episode we are giving away a scott fish 13 entry thanks to mr scott fish himself this contest though is already ongoing people may have seen it on my twitter account at overtime ireland if you're interested in getting involved there will be a link in today's show notes that will mean that if you want to enter in head on over and do so you may have already done some of the things for example leaving a five-star review on your favorite podcast app if you haven't done that already even if you don't want to enter the contest please take this opportunity to do so but there is a a couple of steps the other one being that you can also click that subscribe button on rotavis.com let us know over on the twitter reply to that tweet if you have any questions i'll be happy to answer those but one entry being given away but that contest will close on friday so it's moving pretty quick if you're listening to this on the wednesday edition make sure you get involved pretty swiftly But sean five late round wide receivers and we did draft recently against the listeners It's it's a challenge when you're in that last couple of rounds trying to find those names particularly in a wide receiver heavy format if you are over at underdog for example trying to find those names but five names you have. Do you want to jump into the five names? Do you want to talk some strategy about how to pick profiles of the wide receivers that you want to take in the the late rounds? Which way do you want to look at it? Colin, my favorite way to
2: seek out some of these late round gems is to focus on players who have demonstrated some type of elite ability. And hopefully that has manifested itself in you know, one or multiple years of production at a meaningful level. And for whatever reason, they're not being given credit for that, or the situation is such that they might have to fight through some adversity in order to get there from a volume perspective. One of the things that's interesting late in these drafts is that the demand for receivers is so significant and the (laughs) available names are so limited that you have a lot of players going off the board in this nine through 13 range. So round nine through round 13. And in this particular conversation, we're discussing the underdog names. A lot of these players have sort of established track records where they are good, not great, and also have volume issues. And so it's not that a player like that couldn't hit, but, if you have a long enough track record for us to believe the evidence is pretty strongly pointing in the direction of being just a guy. And if you're just a guy at the NFL level, you're fantastic, right? So it's not a criticism of them as a player, so much as an awareness of the fact that their ceiling is mostly limited. And then if the volume profile also isn't there, what are you going to do with that now when i say the volume profile isn't there usually these guys are either wide receiver two or wide receiver three on their teams and drafters can see where some targets would come from and so they're trying to draft targets in that range we would prefer to avoid the round nine through 13 range in general there are a couple of names there that are interesting but almost always we're going to avoid that range we're going to select other positions we're going to let these guys fall and in many cases when you're talking about round nine I mean, those first eight rounds column, you want to have at least five, if not six wide receivers already. And so when we're talking about the late rounds. It's not a matter of drafting a bunch of these guys together. It's about finding an interesting profile that could supplement what you've already done. And in a perfect world, that player breaks out and scores a lot of points for you. But in a more realistic scenario, you're looking for someone who could Evolve and emerge as the season goes along could be a focal point of the offense or a meaningful big play threat, big game threat, you know, a spike week player for the fantasy playoffs. And we're trying to find guys who may be a little bit buried, but if they were to get the opportunity and if they were to develop at the rate that is reasonable for what their profile has been in the past, then they could be something. Pretty
1: special down the stretch when you really need them. So, we're going to get into the first name on the list now, Sean. It's in round 14. So, we're starting to get pretty deep at this stage. The one thing I will highlight, Sean, round 16, pretty bleak for trying to find those wide receivers. None is the option if you're in round 16. But in round 14, we have Marvin Mims. He's going as the wide receiver 74 at this particular moment in time, drafted to the Denver Broncos, somebody that we talked quite a bit about in that draft process interesting dynamics for him as a rookie landing into a place where obviously you have jerry judy of Cortland sutton you have greg dolce there's a lot of moving pieces in this you have is there a resurgence coming for russell wilson you also have the scenario of the new head coach coming in and sean payton so there's lots of moving parts here but mem seems like somebody who with a couple of things not even having to go his way uh, and it's particularly at around 14 adp can really return on value here in in 2023. Yeah, and just to give a little bit of context, when we're talking about these
2: rookie receivers, these guys who are looking at them still mostly as prospects, the main players from the last handful of years, when you're talking about on a per-route basis, and we're specifically using the Sports Info Solutions charting numbers, you can get that throughout our draft content obviously you have the advanced stat explorer. You have the advanced team stat explorer who deliver SIS NFL data to you throughout the regular NFL season. When we're looking at that for context, we're kind of looking at guys who are going to be delivering from say three to like 3.6 yards per route as being the prospects who are probably going to go in that, you know, 15 to 30 ish range in the first round. Now you need to have the youth with that. You need to have some other, Traits that people like, but that's context. Mims was at 4.6 as a freshman. Now, partly that happens because you don't have a full route load. And so when you're actually out there, sometimes you're a little bit more of a target than somebody who's running routes on every play. But he is dynamic right from the jump as a college player, not something that we necessarily see from all of the other prospects. He backs that up with two seasons over three got a 43840 90th percentile explosion. He's one of the youngest players in this draft. And Colin when we had Scott Barrett on the show, he was even more aggressive than the other folks. Everybody loved him. Patrick Coraine loved him. Travis was having a hard time understanding kind of where he was going. Matt Hicks liked him. Scott said he's probably the second best prospect in this draft at the receiver position. My take on it was not that dissimilar. I at least thought that he deserved to be in the conversation with Quentin Johnston and Jordan Addison. We know those guys were drafted earlier and they're selected much earlier in fantasy drafts. Johnston, someone we're taking a lot with Justin Herbert. Addison is in that situation where it seems like he's going to have a lot of routes early and yet his price is just, it's tough, right? It's tough. So I don't have a lot of exposure to him at this point, have a lot of exposure in dynasty because he's one of the targets we're loading up on. But Mim's an interesting guy because he went earlier than I think a lot of people expected. And yet you could have seen him go earlier still. If he had gone to the Panthers instead of Jonathan Mingo, then I mean he would be the it player in all of these fantasy drafts. If he had gone to the Chiefs instead of Rasheed Rice, he would be I mean, he'd be going around where Zay Flowers is at wide receiver 46. At the very worst. Unfortunately, he goes to Denver. They have a lot of receivers. They have Russell Wilson. I still like this play because he's the guy that the new coaching staff has made a statement about. All offseason, you heard all of their receivers are available in trade. I mean, it's probably not really the case if they had gotten a huge offer for Jerry Judy. I mean, that may have interest them, even though Judy is the clear other guy here. I don't think that there could realistically have been any interest in Cortland Sutton. And Tim Patrick and KJ Hamler. But my case for Mims is that if it falls in the right direction, you can get scoring from him late. Sean Payton loves him. George Patton was talking about how much better he was in his final season. And yet, really, the last two seasons were pretty similar again from a per route perspective. But they raving about the way he tracks the ball, his hands, his toughness, his transition off the catch on screens they love his toughness for the size right and so he's a small guy and there were a lot of small players in this draft And i think that because he got open on a bunch of vertical routes in college and was very d- dynamic not just from a per route perspective but from a per reception perspective you kind of think of him as being pigeonholed into this niche vertical type of role that's not the way that they see him that's not the way the talent would suggest that he can be used either. And so I think that he's probably the wide receiver too on this team when you're talking about the final month of the year. But I also think you're gonna have some shot plays throughout the season where he gets involved. The tricky thing with Mims and the reason that he's not more expensive, even though a lot of people obviously like him. He's going at wide receiver 74. It's just, where do you find the true overall volume that you need to make the play here? This is a bet on talent in the midst of chaos all you have to do is look at this depth chart in the last several years and it's very easy to see how people don't necessarily stay healthy if that happens this season Mims could have a big campaign
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data
1: the next name on the list sean and this is a bit like Mims, but a name who when you look into the the metrics and using the road of his tools seeing how he has done over the last couple of seasons we have curtis samuel at wide receiver 76 in the 15th round and over the last four seasons 32 of the games that he has been available and active in he has been a wide receiver two are better he's been a wide receiver one in 15 percent of those games and some very impressive numbers never really truly you know Getting into that upper 20 points per game range with quite a few around the, you know, between 18 and 22 points per game in that time. Somebody who has been very effective. He's in an offense now, though, obviously with Sam Howell potentially as the quarterback. He has Terry McLaurin as his wide receiver, 1A or 1B, depending on which way people are looking at it, along with Jahan Dodson. He is somebody who has obviously followed his head coach and Ron Rivera over from Jack or from. Uh, Carolina as well so there's a, a connection there he has spent quite a bit off time though in that spell that I mentioned over the the last kind of four seasons or so where he has been inactive Um that was the season before last do you still think that there's a a lot of ways where he could be and I guess here we're looking at the, the price as well but he is somebody who has shown those flashes in the past and potentially still there for him Yeah, this is going to be a bet
2: on the Washington Commanders, and it's a bet on Sam Howell. And one of the things that we want to think about here is that we're betting on Sam Howell anyway, at least on specific teams. Not every team is obviously going to have him. (laughs) You want to keep a decent chunk separate from that in case the worst-case scenario of a benching or whatnot happens. But when you're looking at what this offense would be like if Howell has a good season, it probably includes someone like a Curtis Samuel who is extremely athletic, who's very dynamic with the ball in his hands and he's played six seasons in the NFL column. Most of them haven't been fantastic and yet he's just going to turn 27 this August, right? So that's the value of coming into the league very young. He's still a peak age type of player. And you think about a guy who is electric with the ball and how that fits into the offense that the new offensive co- coordinator, Eric Bieniemy is bringing over from Kansas city think about names like McColl Hardman you look at how they used Kadarius Tony last year you think about some of those touchdowns that they scored in the Super Bowl and he is
1: somebody that really does fit that mold
2: oh it's absolutely perfect it's absolutely perfect so a lot of it is going to depend on if the new offense works and if Sam Howell can play because if those two things don't happen and there's bound to be some sort of adjustment I think Howell is going to look really good you hear you know, huge compliments from his teammates all the time and yet you can look good in practice you can be a future nfl starter and not take off in your first opportunity trevor lawrence considered to be one of the greatest prospects of all time took about a year and a half to get going if the commanders overreact to whatever happens in that first month and ron rivera feels like he needs to make a change because his job is in jeopardy you could lose all of this and I mean, I don't have a lot of interest in Curtis Samuel with Jacoby Brissett as quarterback, even if Brissett is actually one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. Almost certainly he is. But if you get that offense starting to mature, if they look good in the preseason, you want to really keep an eye on this. I mean, if that happens, Samuel's price is going to rise. But Terry McLaurin is a tough guy to draft. You get past him and you're trying to think of how can I build this cool Howell team? Well, you want to get one of those receivers from the 49ers, and then Dotson and Samuel together, if possible. Calling the other risk there is if it doesn't come together, we did see that Dotson took a chunk out of Samuel's opportunity in the second half of the season. Samuel played 81% of the snaps in the first nine weeks, only 62% thereafter. On a per-route basis, his targets also declined. And so you have to look at those two guys ahead of him as being a threat when we're talking about wide receiver 76 and drafting for scenarios i like this particular player in this campaign for certain builds
1: moving on sean to we're going to pair two players together here that are in two explosive offenses you can elaborate on both of them either of them uh, whichever way you do choose have and i mentioned around 16 there is there's no names there so it's going to be a tricky for, for drafters looking for wide receivers in this range. Uh, but we do have Khalil Shakir, wide receiver, 83. um, Somebody, obviously, with Buffalo, high-powered offense. Some challengers for him in terms of targets. There's quite a few, but you have Diggs, Davis, McKenzie, and then Shakir at wide receiver. You also have the tight ends and Dalton Kincaid to factor in. Um, so there's, there's a lot of uh, competition for targets, I guess, in Buffalo, but you also have access to those targets from Josh Allen, on that roster, Justin Ross is the other name in round 19 wide receiver or in round 18, sorry, wide receiver 91. He is somebody, Sean, who obviously coming in last year to the draft. We know about the injuries, we know about how maybe the, the way things finished out in college with those injury concerns wasn't what people would have obviously hoped for. He had the foot injury, he had the neck issue. But now obviously a year removed from missing last season on injured reserve for the Chiefs he is now in the mix to to be there obviously we've talked about uh, Rasheed Rice we've talked about Sky Moore we actually talked on a, a recent draft show but you know not a huge amount of wide receiver competition if somebody can step up to the plate so Tony who you mentioned a moment ago but at the moment it is no clear wide receiver one two or three really it feels like on that roster but Justin Ross has all the talent in the world but has had all the injury issues in the world as well. I guess we could say those two names should people be, obviously should, people should be drafting them, but how excited should they be for potential breakouts this season?
2: Well, we'll leave the Ross enthusiasm for another day. And I've linked some of the historical Stealing Bananas podcasts into the article there if people want to get some really enthusiastic notes on him we just we don't have a sense of what he is going to be and how healthy he's going to be it seems like even for otas not full health they do have a lot of bodies there as well someone like richie james was very good down the stretch last season and so you'd have to be something to make it in kansas city even though the wide receiver one role is there shakir is interesting right he's a guy who his last couple of seasons at boise state you have 3.25 yards per team attempt. In 2020, you have 2.7 in 2021. Both of those are good numbers. He's got a dominator rating of 46% in the junior year, 35% in the senior season. He goes over 100 rushing yards in both of those. He falls pretty deep into the draft. He is a good, not great athlete. But Shakir is basically Jaden Reed, who is on a team where they need receivers, and is on a team where they score a ton of points. And I mean, I think that Reed could end up being something with the Packers. It's not to completely fade him there, but when you look at the prices for these different guys and you look at where they are sort of in their trajectory and how much experience they're going to have, Shakir was really coming on down the stretch and looked good in last year's playoffs. We know that the bills are not completely sold on what they have, which is both a strike against Shakir, but it's also something where if they are still looking for a player like a DeAndre Hopkins, and you know, when you're talking about the bills and you're talking about the chiefs in both of those cases, if they could get him at a reasonable price, you would do that if for no other reason to keep him away from other teams, but the bills have Stefan Diggs, and then they have a lot of questions and they even have questions with Stefan Diggs. So, I mean, you can see in the enthusiasm for Dalton Kincaid, and Dalton Kincaid may be awesome, right? You do have guys come in, even at the tight end position. And I always think back to Aaron Hernandez. We think about it purely from a football perspective, leave all the other stuff out, and what he did as a rookie. I mean, you see examples of these guys coming in and being very dynamic forces, and yet the fact that there's so much enthusiasm there gives you a little bit of a sense of where the volume really could be in this bill's offense if you're not on gabe davis and davis had some kind of nagging injuries last year he's always a threat to have a big game but i would prefer to take shakir in this range at wide receiver 83 you know where you're drafting him against players who are more or less meaningless as opposed to having to draft davis at his price even
1: though his price is a discount to where he was going the previous season final name sean to talk about is when we talk about where they have been drafted he has currently been undrafted as the wide receiver 104 and it is 2-2 Atwell. we did discuss this on some of our recent draft coverage as been a potential late round target hit me with the pitch for 2-2 Atwell here in the not even the very very late rounds <laughs> after the draft if you're able to you know best ball drafts aren't going to have those waivers but uh, somebody who is basically free at this point yeah and so we think about 2-2 and in the research that I was doing on
2: jackson smith and jigba and elijah moore two guys we really like the stat that would keep popping up that was so Extraordinary Was that in that season the 2021 year before his 2022 was ruined by injuries and or maybe the kind of the soft sitting out to You know keep himself for the nfl jsn is competing against garrett wilson and chris olave for targets and still averages 4.4 yards per route. And we know that some of that is that you don't run every route when you've got Wilson and Alave also out there. But some of it is that when those guys weren't there, he goes off for one of the all-time great games in the bowl against Utah. He averages 123 yards per game. We're thinking JSN is going to go in the top 10 picks. He falls a little bit in this draft. He goes to a situation with the Seahawks that maybe isn't perfect. But if we're talking two years from now about JSN being the number three wide receiver in football and someone who should have gone as the 101 in this year's dynasty draft. Now, we're not saying that that's where we were taking him necessarily either, although we were taking him at the 102 and 103 a lot. I don't think people will be surprised by that. The numbers are there. You look at some other guys in that range. CD Lamb, his best season, 4.4. T Higgins, Somebody who just didn't run a ton of routes at Clemson because they were so loaded. But the freshman season for Justin Ross versus the sophomore season for T. Higgins was also part of the Ross conversation that we didn't go into today. Devontae Smith, not the senior year where he went absolutely crazy and won the Heisman, but the junior year where he's competing with guys like Jerry Judy and Jalen Waddell. Devontae Smith, 4.1. So I'm looking at guys who as underclass receivers went over four and put up big overall numbers, right? You got to average a lot of yards per game as well. Those are the names. That's an amazing group. The name that jumped out ahead of them was Tutu Atwell, who went for 4.5, 98 yards per game. He goes with the 57th pick of the 2020 draft, and that's pretty heavily criticized because Tutu is 155 pounds, which, I mean, that just doesn't really play at the nfl level right but you look at that season and i say well he's averaged 4.5 yards per out 18.2 yards per reception scored 12 touchdowns 4.2 yards per team attempt and so that portion of it is actually blowing away those other names on that list 40 percent dominator rating and you're like well i mean you can see why the rams went ahead and picked him the guy is after him a whole bunch of busts and then Amon Ra. everybody doesn't say just draft Amon Ra, but people had been on that they they would have done it you go back to his rookie season doesn't do much he's injured a lot you look to 2022 where they had this opportunity late in the year with cooper cup out the offense isn't really doing anything and he doesn't have nearly as many routes in weeks 10 to 18 as van jefferson who is the guy that people are targeting as sort of the wide receiver two here and the way to play late wide receiver because jefferson is going to get routes you're probably going to get some targets. Jefferson has been a vertical player, you get some spike weeks. That's the way most people are playing, and I'm not against that at all. I think that's a very viable approach. But Atwell averaged more yards per route, he had a 21% target per route rate over the second half of that season to only 16% for Van Jefferson. A huge advantage in weighted targets per route, which Connor O'Driscoll has a great article on the site about how that can help you find. Some players who are undervalued or some perfect sleepers, even lacking the routes, he ends up with the same whopper as Jefferson over the second half of the season. So you look at this and you look at the price and you're talking about last round undrafted. He starts to get a little bit interesting and I won't go through all of the stuff that we have in the article about what the coaches have said about him, but they are enthusiastic number one about his development and number two about his flexibility. Those are things that the Rams need. They need a guy to come through and be able to do multiple things in their offense. If Atwell can be that, even at 155 pounds, that starts to put him into a situation where you do actually have the locked-in volume. And, you know, we don't necessarily feel the same way about the Rams offense as we did a year ago. I mean, you had that situation where Matthew Stafford comes in, Cooper Cup goes supernova, LA wins the Super Bowl and then everybody wants to overdraft the players the next season including someone like an Allen Robinson it's almost done a full 180 to where now these guys are a little bit toxic Matthew Stafford is hurt Sean McVay not that he's not a genius but it's like I mean how much can you really do if you don't have the players and they don't have the players and they don't have the offensive line and yet you work through all of that if we get a little bit of a tilting back in the direction of Stafford being healthy. Akers taking a little bit of a step forward. Cup being out there and drawing coverage. The team gets a little bit more aggressive passing the ball again. There's an opportunity in the peripheral roles here. And I prefer, again, we we talk about even the difference between round 14 and 15 and the final round when you need a name. I think that Atwell is an interesting breakout guy. Is he likely to break out? Obviously not, but he's someone who has been very good. You want to draft players who have proven themselves at a level and have interesting peripherals, not just a name.
1: I like him here. So we'll see if that will give a bump to his ADP over the next couple of weeks for people listening. And we'll see where the OT drafters start taking him, Sean, but it is intriguing you mentioned the name alan robinson there as well and we thought that he was going much too high last year but when you look at how this offense has been drafted this year you mentioned the word toxic and that that feels like how how drafters are looking at the rams and although they're not our favorite team to be drafting at the moment it it feels like it may have gone a couple of steps too far at this point but that is our five names that is getting us to the end of this episode as we mentioned at the start this is an article from sean that is up on rotoviz Dot com. if you want to get access to all of the content and tools up on the rotaviz.com website you can use the code rv radio 2023 at checkout that gives you access to everything that is available over there once again that code is rbradio 2023 my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime Ireland. my co-host is sean siegel check out this and much more up on rotaviz.com and until we are back have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on RotoViz Radio. Please rate and review the RotoViz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to RotoViz with a discount through the RotoViz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.